Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to begin this uh, program on a uh, serious note. Uh, this week, a, um, a good friend of mine passed away. And uh, the reason I, I mention this in public, because uh, she uh, was not a uh, public figure. Uh, she was a, a smart, funny, wonderful, warm person, but she was not in the public eye. Um, but she did one thing, and I'm grateful to her for many things over the years, um, probably my second oldest friend in point of service, but uh, she did one thing that uh, resonates week after week, continues to. She named this program. I had uh, two previous names, neither of which stuck for one reason or another. And um, in the 1980s, I was obsessed with the trend, which was everywhere then, to class up things by putting the French word for the, le, in front of them. My favorite sequence was le tub. Le Hot Tub, Le Hot Tub Club. And I made a, a practice of photographing these. Unfortunately, it was on film. I don't know where the negatives are, so you'll probably never see them. But anyway, she knew about this uh, obsession. And so when the uh, time came for me to rename the program, she tartly and accurately saw that the name of this program had to be Le Show. So... A tip of the list, show chapeau to Ruth Gribben. And uh, now, I, I mentioned on Twitter, this is going to be a, a kind of a <laughs> President Trump-heavy show. Um, we are slowly but surely amassing uh, a dossier about Donald Trump. Um, and among the, the, the segments of that dossier are the insects that he doesn't like. So... This week at a White House meeting, we learned this. Whoops. How did a fly get into the White House? I don't like that. I don't like flies. I don't like flies. Which now adds to um, what we learned pretty much two years ago right now when he revealed he didn't like mosquitoes. I don't like mosquitoes! I don't want mosquitoes around me. I don't like mosquitoes. I don't like mosquitoes. I don't like those mosquitoes. I never did. Okay. 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 I never did. I don't want mosquitoes around me. I don't want mosquitoes around me. I don't want mosquitoes around me. I don't like mosquitoes! Ooh, there was a mosquito. I don't like mosquitoes! Skeet, 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 mosquitoes! I don't want mosquitoes around me. I don't like mosquitoes! Ooh. We await information on his attitude towards crickets. And, uh... We uh, 
we are now learning also different ideas, you might say, about who hates America. I'll tell you who hates America. You want to know who hates America, ladies and gentlemen? The moon. It's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Celebrations all over the place here on Earth, on TV, and in real life. I've been watching the moon for days. Nothing up there. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Frankly, I'd keep an eye on that flag that Neil Armstrong planted. Because as soon as they get fire up there, it's in, it's in danger. Hello, welcome to the show. Thanks. 
from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you, yes, you, to this edition of the show. You probably remember last week there was talk in the media about leaks, pardon the expression, uh, the Mail on Sunday, which is not, well, it's co-owned with the Daily Mail, but it's not quite as uh, untrustworthy, um, had leaks from the U.K. ambassador to Washington. He since uh, was... Uh, convinced to resign his office by the president of the United States, uh, saying that he was a fool and uh, stupid or whatever, whatever the uh, the four adjectives he used that day were. Uh, adjective of the day. But the, another leak came out after Sir Kim Darragh resigned. This is about the time after uh, the then British Foreign Secretary, Boris Johnson, came to Washington to try to convince the United States to stay in the Iran nuclear deal, unsuccessfully, of course. After he returned, uh, the ambassador, Sir Kim Dark, wrote that uh, President <laughs> Trump appeared to be abandoning the nuclear deal for personality reasons. That's a quote. Because the agreement had been uh, negotiated and signed by his predecessor, Barack Obama. He said uh, he he highlighted splits among U.S. presidential advisors and uh, noted that the White House did not have a day-to-day strategy of what to do following withdrawal from the deal. No sort of plan for reaching out to partners and allies, whether in Europe or the region. The outcome, he wrote, illustrated the paradox of this White House. We got exceptional access, speaking to the foreign secretary, seeing everyone short of the president. But on the substance, the administration is set upon an act of diplomatic vandalism, seemingly for ideological and personality reasons. It was Obama's deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's out now. And good riddance, I say. And now... Just days after a different federal agency suspended its study of bee, honeybee populations, the Environmental Protection Agency, yes, protection is in its name, green-lighted, green-lighted, green-lit, said you could go ahead with the wider use of a pesticide that environmental activists warned could further decimate the population of pollinators. Major conservation group says it'll take the agency to court. The EPA said it's permitting the broader use of the pesticide sulfoxiflor, sulfoxiflor, I'll say it one more time, sulfoxiflor. It's a move that follows a request by the manufacturer of the chemical. Dow. How now, Dow? EPA is providing long-term certainty for U.S. growers to use an important tool to protect crops and avoid particularly significant economic losses said the assistant administrator for the EPA's Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention, not mentioning the economic losses from the loss of pollinators. Uh, the Agriculture Department was the other cabinet department, decided to suspend its study of bee populations, which beekeepers use to keep track of the decline of their colonies. The uh, reason? Limited fiscal resources. We just don't have the money to study the bees. Oh, Dow Chemical, according to fizz.org, gave uh, (laughs) President Trump a million dollars for his inauguration. 
the company's no longer called Dow, by the way. It's called Corteva Agriscience. Corteva. Doesn't that make you feel all safe and warm? Said it was pleased with the EPA's decision, said Corteva. Growers should have access to tools that can be used safely. It's just a tool. It's not killing anything. Researchers have observed the sudden and quick disappearance of honeybee colonies in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Blame for the bees' losses have been assigned to intensive farming practices, monoculture, planting of a single crop on the same land year after year, excessive use of agricultural te- chemicals, and higher temperatures due to climate change. Bees are under great threat in most combined effects, says the uh, Food and Agriculture Organization's Director General in a video for World Bee Day. You missed it. It was in May. The absence of bees and other pollinators would wipe out coffee, apples, almonds, never eat them, tomatoes, and cocoa. That's fighting words there, mister. To name just a few of the crops that rely on pollination, according to the FAO's director general. Beekeepers in the U.S. lost about 40% of their colonies between April 2018 and April 2019. That's according to the Bee-Informed Partnership. Get it? The program partly run by the University of Maryland and Auburn University. Why, it's Maryland versus Auburn in an intersectional tussle, and they're never playing football. Just looking at the overall picture, it's disconcerting. We're still seeing elevated losses after over a decade of survey and quite intense work to try to understand and reduce colony loss. uh, That's a quote from an Entomologist at Auburn, we don't seem to be making particularly great progress to reduce overall losses. And a study published in the journal Nature found bees' ability to reproduce is reduced by exposure to sulfoxiflor. Well, what do you need them to reproduce for? We just have more bees. Then. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, um, you know, I, I'm always charmed, I should say, by my friends. Well, I'm always charmed by my friends, but the particular subgroup, my friends who, uh, when we're out to dinner or something, a meal, will, uh, when the uh, waiter, the server comes by, waiter or waitress, uh, and says, what kind? Oh, I'm fine with tap water. And um, I sit there thinking of all the things I could say if I wanted to spoil the meal. But I'm going to say one of them now because you're not eating, and neither am I. Trace amounts of acetaminophen, pseudoephedrine, and diphenhydramine have been found in Cayuga Lake, which I think uh, uh, upon which borders, among others, the city of Ithaca. This is according to the Ithaca Journal. That's how I drew that conclusion. The amounts are tiny says the uh, Ithaca Area Wastewater Treatment Facility Laboratory Director, but some of them are in the same concentration as our hormones. That is a problem, he says. There's a multi-year collaborative study by uh, the Ithaca f- Treatment Facility, Ithaca College, Ithaca's got it, and uh, Cornell. The facility, facility treats wastewater from the city of Ithaca's approximately 80 miles of sanitary sewer mains and storm drains. Oh, well, see, now I'm, I'm getting envious because I'm sitting in New Orleans and I read Ithaca's got storm drains. They've been emerge, uh, studying emerging pollutants in Cayuga Lake. 
and uh, presented some of their findings from the study. Even after the incoming or influent water, or micro-influent if they're on the Internet, uh, water is treated at the facility. Small amounts of these chemicals remain in the outgoing or effluent that's released into Cayuga Lake. And uh, trace amounts of many commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals, including antibiotics, antidepressants, and opiates. In addition to the um, previous previously mentioned ones, there's nicotine. Hey, you're back on it. And metformin, which treats diabetes. Some of these chemicals can act as endocrine disruptors to humans, even in very small amounts. That is one of our potential concerns, said the director of the laboratory in Ithaca. Just those small amounts could do so much. I'll have the sparkling, please. Sand, ladies and gentlemen, I think I mentioned to you on a previous edition of this program, we're worried about water. We're not yet paying attention to the next little thing that's going to happen, which is a shortage of sand. Sand and gravel make up the most extracted group of materials, even exceeding fossil fuels, according to Nature. Not the, not the mother, the magazine. Urbanization and global population growth, yay, are fueling an explosion in demand, especially in China, India, and Africa, where the population is exploding. Roughly 32 to 50 billion tons of sand, that's kind of a range there in nature, are used globally each year for making concrete, glass, and electronics. This exceeds the pace of natural renewal. They're still making sand. I mean, nature. So that by mid-century, demand might outstrip supply. A lack of knowledge and oversight is allowing this unsustainable exploitation, according to nature. Desert sand grains, in case you're thinking of desert sand grains, are too smooth to be useful. <laughs> this comes as, well, you know, the people in the desert, if, if the sand was useful, they'd have figured that out a while ago. Most of the angular sand that's suitable for industry comes from rivers. The extraction of sand and gravel has far-reaching impacts on ecology, infrastructure, and the livelihoods of the three billion people who live along rivers. Sand mining on the Pearl River in China has lowered water tables, made it harder to extract drinking water. I'll have the sparkling, please. And hastened riverbed scour, which damages bridges and embankments. And most of the trade in sand is undocumented. What's that in that truck? Oh, just marijuana. For example, between 2006 and 2016, less than 4% of the 80 million tons of sediment that Singapore imported from Cambodia was confirmed as exported by the latter. Illegal sand mining is rife in 70 countries. Hundreds of people have reportedly have been killed in battles over sand in the past decade. Countries where that's happened include India and Kenya. Among the, those affected, local citizens, police officers, and government officials. Current estimates of global sand mining are unreliable and undoubtedly too low. Most research on river sediment is focused on how dams block flows. Little academic attention has been given to commercial extraction. Few long-term basin-wide programs monitoring sediment or sediment it's technically hard to quantify how sand moves. <laughs> we, we know so much, and yet, and is deposited along rivers. In addition, many large rivers are remote. And politically and industrially 
sensitive issues of data access and transparency hamper reporting. In many countries, we're going to come to a term you heard the last time I mentioned this. Sand mining is unregulated and might involve local, here comes that term, sand mafias. Okay? Hollywood, get busy. Sand mafias are at work. In the developing world where demand is greatest, it's mainly a small informal industry difficult to monitor and control. Sand. Another thing to worry about. Add that to your list of things to worry about, ladies and gentlemen. Sand. Where's all the the sand of the future going to come from? I'm uh, going to spend a few sleepless minutes tonight thinking about that. And now... Well, a smart home company called Zipato put the same private security key into every one of its smart home hubs that it sold to gullible suckers like, no, nobody listens to this program. That left its system open to hacking, according to researchers, at Black Marble. They demonstrated that flaw combined with two related vulnerabilities so the, they could access the hub and devices Connected to it, they can open your front door with a laptop. Smart home hubs, according to the Register, English Tech Journal, they're a relatively popular way to manage a range of otherwise incompatible smart home products. There's a good idea right there. Giving people a simple, single way of controlling everything. Doesn't that make you feel powerful? See, that's because you got used to riding in an SUV in the command position, and now you need another source of power in your life. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Come on. The same approach could be a security nightmare if the hub isn't secure. <laughs> According to Forbes, a team of self-styled hacktivist security researchers, with an impressive track record of exposing breaches, has disclosed one of the biggest to date, a user database belonging to a Chinese company, there's a Chinese company again, called Orvibo which manages, run, runs an Internet of Things management platform. It's been exposed to the Internet without any password, without any password, not just the default password, without any password to protect it. The database includes more th that has been uh, breached, includes more than 2 billion logs containing everything from user passwords to account reset codes and even a smart camera recorded conversation. But, you know, it's so convenient. That's what I like. News of Dominion. Coral reefs are dying, as you know. The, loose, the low Louis Key Reef. Louis? L-O-O-E. No idea. Uh, south of the Florida Keys, I know that, is over, uh, one such reef that has faced a massive die-off, engendering a critical oceanic ecosystem supporting a complex web of creatures. The reef was comprised of 30... 3% living coral 30 years ago. By 2008, that declined to 6%. Climate change is uh, one reason why. Rising temperatures of the water are stressing the corals. You know all this. Researchers from Florida Atlantic University, though, are casting doubt on climate change as the principal factor in coral bleaching. Through careful analysis of records dating back decades, they identified a new and more forcible malefactor, nitrogen. 
study published this week in Marine Biology makes the case that coral bleaching occurred before the waters began to warm, likely caused by increased nitrogen loading from diverse sources, including fertilizer, hello Midwest, and treated sewage. See, again, again with the envy, or sorry, the, uh, yeah, the envy, sitting in New Orleans and seeing that other people treat their sewage. Our results provide compelling evidence that nitrogen loading from the Florida Keys and greater Everglades ecosystem caused by humans rather than warming temperatures is the primary driver of coral reef degradation at Louis Key Sanctuary. During our long-term study, said the senior author of the study, you see coral reefs, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you know this, need a steady balance between nitrogen and phosphorus to thrive and propagate. But the rapid increase in nitrogen in the Keys due to agricultural and residential runoff via the Everglades has created an imbalance, starving the coral reefs of a nutrient vital to its existence. It's, by which they mean reefs. Thank you, Courthouse News, for having your nouns agree with your verbs. Can't the nouns agree with the verbs? Scientists arrived at their conclusions by analyzing data collected between 1984 and 2014, collecting seawater specimens during wet and dry seasons in the Keys. So it's not climate change, but it's still human influence. It is, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what, it is dominion. Um, Now, um, another item of interest. We hear all the time, or we have heard all the time, that uh, you can't have you, you you can't clean the air and the water uh, any more than we have, um, or there'll be damage to the economy. It's been said for years while we were cleaning the air and the water. And what happened? A new report from the EPA, the very same one, shows U.S. air quality has improved alongside the expansion of the population and economy since the passage of the Clean Air Act. The agency does concede there's room for improvement. Well, at least they concede something. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we near the bottom of the hour, just some news from the Let Us Try people, the United States Army Corps of Engineers. I, I'm going to, well, I'll, I'll say that. I'll save my, my opinion for after you hear these. The United, uh, a federal judge has ordered the Army Corps of Engineers to turn over more documents that four Native American tribes say could bolster their lawsuit seeking to shut down the Dakota Access Pipeline in North Dakota. (laughs) North Dakota. The judge directed the agency to give up the documents, according to the Bismarck Tribune. Boy, Bismarck still has a tribune. Congratulations. The tribes accused the Corps earlier this year of withholding dozens of documents they they say could show how the pipeline may threaten a reservoir on the Missouri River, which serves as their water source. You see, they get their water from the thing. They turned over some documents, said requests for more were vague or too broad. The tribes accused the Corps of producing a fragmented and incomplete record to justify its approval of the pipeline. It's unclear how useful the documents will be. The uh, tribes will submit their final arguments mid-August. And... The Corps of Engineers has been taking water from Florida's polluted Lake Okeechobee and releasing it into other bodies of water in the state of Florida. An Army Corps representative testified to the House that the water diverted into St. Lucie Estuary and Indian River Lagoon and through the Caloosahatchee River, thank you, contained 
cyanobacteria and harmful algae blooms. The Corps released a statement highlighting steps they're taking up to clean up the mess they created. Starting Wednesday of this past week, the Corps was going to increase flows from Lake Okeechobee to help with scientific research on algae blooms. Now that the Army Corps acknowledges that the water they're discharging is toxic, they cannot continue to willfully and knowingly poison our community, said Republican Congressman Brian Mast. That is, uh, the area there is uh, Orlando. You know, call me wacky, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, given the life and death matters that they deal with, I would... uh, say, an agency whose motto is, let us try, might be wisely replaced by an agency whose motto is, let us get it right the first time. It don't matter what your papa gonna say. It don't matter about the games you play now. Like, whoa, whoa. 
from New Orleans. This is the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you you're as aware as anyone that the news in the United States has been dominated dominated this week by uh, the results, the reactions, the follow-ups to a set of tweets that uh, <laughs> President Trump issued a, a week ago regarding the f- four congresswomen of color, as we now say, um, in the Democratic Party, uh, congresswomen who have styled themselves as the squad. They're all on the progressive end of the progressive wing of the progressive party. And uh, the uproar began because not because the president disagreed with the uh, their policy proposals, uh, but because he told them to go back where they came from, basically, this, kind of oblivious to the fact that three of them were born in this country, so they'd be going back right here. Um, but the use of that phrase, as I say, ignited an uproar. Uh, it kind of started to die down, and then midweek, President President held a rally, and uh, the crowd started yelling when he mentioned one of the congresswomen, send her back, send her back, and that just tore the roof off the sucker. And uh, then Trump kind of uh, echoed a, a behavioral strategy that he often uses, which is that he uh, pretended to say, no, 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 I disagreed with that. Uh, which he did at a Thursday uh, press briefing. But, uh, in fact, when the crowd did utter the phrase or yell the phrase, um, he just stood there and soaked it in for about 13 seconds. Uh, the discussion continued on Friday. He he reignited it with more. And again today when he said, I don't think these women are capable of loving America. Now, there's been reporting, I think, in the Washington Post during the week that some Republican politicians who don't really want to go out publicly and upbraid the president. I didn't say upgrade. Woo, somebody flushed. Uh, Upbraid the president um, have been going to... uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, to say, can you can you tell him that this was not a good thing to do? And um, Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader, uh, is reported to have made private uh, remonstrations to the president on the same topic, on the same tip. And uh, also reportedly, I think from the Washington Post, Melania and Ivanka Trump registered their displeasure. Uh, not with criticizing the congresswoman. They think that's good. They all think that's good. But with the particular way the president has done it. It, it. it sounds like this. This week, for the first time, signs that the team may not always stick together about everything. And for the businessman turned chief executive... That may mean some tough talk for those competing for the biggest prize of all, his continued lack of disdain. So, Mitch. Yes, sir. I I, I swear that ball ended up in Tennessee. (laughs) Darndest thing. I bet. Mitch, you asked to come see me. Uh, That I did. 
Thing is, he was using his pus. So there was something you wanted to tell me or ask me or maybe even show me? In a manner of speaking, yes, sir. Okay. Why don't you try speaking in that manner? I, I don't have all day. I got TV to watch. All right, sir. Uh, some of my members, and I'm speaking on their behalf, this isn't about my personal feelings. Good. I don't have those. But some of the more capital C conservative members of the caucus... Capital C caucus? No, sir. They're, they're, they're showing some very early seedlings of concern about the, uh, the chant. <laughs> the center back thing? Hmm. I gotta say, I kinda got a kick out of it. Stephen Miller said he was gonna go work that crowd. And F me if he didn't work him good. I'm up there, and this starts up. That's, that's, that's the prematurely bald fella. Steve, my immigration guy. Long story, one too many Latino jocks in his high school. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the story? I made it shorter. I appreciate it. But, uh, yes, that chant, and uh, as I say, some of my members are a little, shall we say, uh, <laughs> inflamed about the danger to our standing with uh, suburban women voters. Look... If my member was inflamed, I'd be concerned about my standing, too. Uh, see, the TV people, they understand my humor. Okay, Mitch, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I won suburban women last time, right? Well, enough for them to... Enough to send crooked Hillary to the loser bin, I can tell you that. So they're not going anywhere. They love Trump. They're sticking with Trump. Unlike Marla... But that's another... Sir, they may stick with you or not, but will they stick with my members? That's what's got their, their Irish up, if you'll pardon the ethnic reference. Mitch, don't go PC on me. Speaking of which, how's that lovely Asian wife of yours? Well, she's your transportation secretary. You probably... You ever notice how often we have cabinet meetings? <laughs> Give her my love. Now, here's your task for this week. Yes, sir. You go back... You tell your members that this is their effing problem. Since the conservatives, you know, you can clean it up a little for them. Can you do it? Well, I, I would just leave out the effing... Can you take back that message? Because this is just the start of the ride, believe me. I gotta get this thing nailed before Epstein starts singing, right? So? Mr. President, I will carry the message. I can't guarantee that I agree with it. Mitch... Guarantees are for schmucks. It's always an education just to uh, spend some time in the boardroom with him. Uh, for example, I didn't even know schmucks were for sale. Melania, Ivanka, this is uh, kind of unusual. Well, John Kelly would never let us in. No, 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 I mean seeing the two of you together. Hmm. It's like... If I wasn't married to you, and vice versa. We know you're busy, Donald. Oh, I got Fox on TiVo. I can always pause it. We were talking yesterday afternoon. Hey, that's a great first step, right? And uh, we're both upset or disturbed, or at the very least bothered by something. Something that you tweeted. Tweeted? The thing you do in the toity. I happen to do it after the toity, but uh, okay, what? Are you two the 4,013th people to come at me about go back to where you came from? Because Stephen Miller, who's very hard to please, he's like the Gene Shallot of advisors. He called as soon as he saw it and couldn't stop raving about it until I hung up. Sir, 
Speaking as a special advisor? Well, I should hope so. You're paid as a special advisor. This is not good for your brand. I mean, if there's anything I'm qualified to be a special advisor about, it's your brand, right? Sure, but Donald, if Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or even Beto O'Rourke came out publicly and told me to go back where I came from, how would you feel? I can tell you this. Mm -hmm. I would feel like I'd made a big mistake. Really? Yeah. I'd let all this time go by without coming up with a terrific nickname for Beto. Of course, where he is in the polls, he doesn't even deserve a nickname. But if he said that about you, bang! Nickname first thing in the morning. Before the toity, even. Don, we want you to do something we know is hard for you. Apologize for that tweet. <laughs> Interesting, because I've got a task for you two that I know is hard for you. Go out in public and defend me to the hilt. Pass the hilt. Your family, hilt doesn't matter, right? Dad, I... Are you speaking as a special advisor, sweetie? Because special advisors, I think I've heard this. People tell me this. They take on their tasks. Right, Melania? Speaking purely as a special advisor's stepmom. We'll refrain from criticizing in public. You know, a lot of people tell me I have the power. I could send you back. But you wouldn't. Not as long as they have the fake news in Slobovia, wherever the hell it is. So... Deal? We won't criticize you in public, but... By the way, sweetie, the gut doesn't lie. This happens to be terrific for my brand. New teams, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make greatness great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus, learning while earning. At least earning. in the wings when you push me on but I never learn the words to the songs and there I stand naked they're staring at me laughing at me I'm by the locker turning the dial the hallway is empty and stretches for miles then I'm on a boat heading over the falls from my hand but it just breaks off I suddenly wake up was only a dream I'm back in the guilt cage that you made for me but when you are working or fast asleep I put my headphones on I put my headphones on backyard, bearing the bones, don't know why I did it, hope no one will know, I can't seem to hide the remains of my crime, I never learned to fly, I suddenly wake up was only a dream, I'm back in the guilt cage that you made for me, there may be someone who listened to me, I'll put my headphones on 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 
now, ladies and gentlemen. News of the godly. More than a dozen rabbis from the city of Elad, near Tel Aviv, issued an edict this month declaring all dogs bad. It's the uh, verbiage of the Jerusalem Post. And warning residents that keeping them will make them, the residents, accursed. I don't remember curses when I was... The edict contains the signatures of all the Sephardic rabbis in Elad. It's a city of about 46,000 residents, where most of the population is extremely orthodox. The city's chief rabbi also signed the edict. We've heard and seen that lately a, a serious phenomenon has spread in our city in which young boys and children walk around public, we, publicly with dogs. This is strictly forbidden, as explained in the Talmud and um, by Maimonides. Anyone raising a dog is accursed, and especially in our city where many women and children are afraid of dogs, states the edict. The uh, rabbi of a neighboring town is quoted as writing, quote, I do not find any grounds for permitting any dog whatsoever in any manner. The edict says, A bad dog means any dog, for it barks on whomever it does not know, and because of its bark it is a bad dog even if it does not bite. People who keep, uh, unquote, people who keep dogs for medical needs should appear before the local rabbinical court so it may rule on their matter. The uh, chief Orthodox rabbi of another town uh, ruled in 2002 that keeping guard dogs is allowed, as well as guide dogs, guard dogs and guide dogs, and ones kept, quote, to develop a person's emotions, unquote. Elad was established in 1998. More than half of its population is below 18. On the other hand, Tel Aviv in 2016 declared itself the friendliest world city for dogs. Most dogs per capita of any city in the world. So let's you and him fight. And now, the apologies of the week. So sorry. Also in Israel, an Israeli brewery has apologized after angering Indians by putting the face of Mahatma Gandhi, who championed alcohol prohibition, on one of its beer bottles. He appeared along with photos of famous Israeli leaders on a beer produced by Malka Beer, a boutique brewery in northern Israel, according to the India Today website. You know, that would scare away all the uh, soccer fans. You wouldn't buy that beer. You couldn't get violent. On uh, today, the Today program, weather anchor Al Roker issued an his, his apology for his coverage of Tropical Storm Barry. He was uh, talking about Barry's, <laughs> which was a non-event, uh, in, at least in Louisiana, pretty much. He was talking about Barry's estimated rainfall amounts and wind gusts. In comparison, he said Hurricane Michael... Michael was a Category 3 or 4 storm, even almost reaching a 5, and that caused all the damage. It, in fact, was a 5. Yes, Michael was Cat 5, and I misspoke during yesterday's broadcast during live TV. I, just, I covered it and came down to help bring aid to folks and first responders. So I apologize for the mistake, said Al. A Catholic priest who linked autism to homosexuality has canceled his upcoming Australian tour, Church authorities canceled his tours in Ireland and Canada also canceled his tours. Father Dominique Valanamal from India was scheduled to appear at a retreat in Melbourne. 
but the cancellation came after parents' groups ran a petition to stop him from coming to Australia. Following the controversy, Valamanal said he regretted what he said in his video. I came to know that some were wounded by the words in a video that was from a speech I gave years ago, and it was misinterpreted and misunderstood. I'm currently studying the issue and the video. I'm hurt that it pained them. I pray for them from the bottom of my heart, and I apologize, unquote. Consolidated Edison, the uh, power company that serves New York, apologized for a power failure that left a large part of Manhattan steaming in the dark for five hours as utility executives and elected officials continued to seek an explanation for New York City's latest electrical shutdown. Con Edison's president said because the system was nowhere near its capacity, he was certain the root cause was not overwhelming demand. He said it could take weeks to fully understand why the failure cascaded from a substation on 49th, West 49th Street through neighborhood after neighborhood. I blame 49th Street. The British bookstore firm, W.H. Smith, has apologized after it was revealed to have stocked copies of The Protocols of the Elders of Zion in one of its branches in an Omani airport. Told the Jewish Chronicle, the anti-Semitic forgery, which purports to describe a Jewish conspiracy for global domination, had been removed from its shelves. A member of the public noticed copies of the book in Arabic on sale in Muscat International Airport, Muscat, capital of Oman. I believe it's the capital. Unclear how it came to be stocked in the store. We apologize sincerely on behalf of our local operator in Muscat, and the book is being removed immediately. W.H. Smith has strict guidelines on the books it sells, and it is against our policy to stock books which incite hatred. Unquote. A Denver real estate team has apologized following the release of a video that was criticized as being tone-deaf regarding gentrification and cultural appropriation. The video was published by Teen Denver Homes, showing a group of white people dancing and singing a parody of the opening theme of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They're shown in 1990s outfits in several central Denver neighborhoods. You wouldn't uh, know them if I told told you what they were. While the original video was deleted, it's still circulating on social media. Some criticized the video for appropriating black culture by showing exclusively white people dancing and singing in a hip-hop video that is a parody of a show about a black family, which I believe was written by white people. I, I couldn't be sure. Our video was intended to be whimsical and fun, incorporating an iconic childhood show. We truly meant no harm to anyone. We sincerely apologize for those who were offended by it, said Moore Zucker and Michelle Cerdulo and Team Denver Holmes. Um, the uh, lyrics include, this is a story all about how we turned the real estate market upside down, i.e. gentrification. Deadline Cedar Rapids, the organizer of a climate change protest at last weekend's gathering of presidential candidates, is apologizing for incorporating a symbol evoking America's violent racial past, a hangman's noose, into his demonstrations. Ed Fallon former Democratic state representative, apologized for, quote, a lapse in judgment. Who knows what a noose means these days? Daylon Rutland, Vermont, after posting a contentious meme on his Facebook page, Alderman Paul Clifford issued apology. Many of you have seen the controversial meme. I'm willing to apologize. I'm writing to apologize to anyone I may have offended to explain my thoughts. The meme 
Features a black and white photograph of a woman and three children, all with pale skin, dressed in dirty clothing, standing in a kitchen. Quote, white privilege, the ability to suffer life's universal indignities without blaming another ethnic group. Unquote the caption. He said the reactions to his post have been an educational experience. A candidate for the Hines County Board of Supervisors in Mississippi has apologized for a comment he made months ago. Malcolm Johnson is not against women being supervisors and not even against women being president of the United States. In February, he had said during a radio show that he had heard that Rukia Lumumba, the sister of the Jackson, Mississippi mayor, was considering running for supervisor. What she needs to do to learn to be a woman, supervisor is a man's job, he said back then. He's apologized for it. Oh, there's so many more, but that's all the time we have for the Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. I mean, let me give you some idea. Bulgaria's finance minister apologized after admitting hackers stole millions of taxpayers' financial data. An influencer with half a million subscribers apologized for mocking an airline whose flight he depicted in a video. You know, like that. The uh, CEO of Juul apologized to parents of teens who somehow got addicted to vaping. Those are the best. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, having skimmed through the uh, the ones that didn't quite make the cut, that will conclude this edition of the show. Program returns next week at the same time on these radio stations and at the time of your choice on your audio device of choice. It's your choice. This would be the conclusion you could draw from that. And it would be just like having less choice if you do agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. thing more. The president played host this week to a Yazidi woman who won the Nobel Peace Prize after ISIS attacked her people. There's some of that. This is Nadia's Nobel Peace Prize winner. We cannot find a safe place to live. All this happened to me. They killed my mom, my sixth brother. They left behind them. Where are they now? They killed them. It's called paying attention. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this thing, playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I, t- Cars I Talk t-shirts all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer.
The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.